bad. Has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, today we have a friend of mine, uh, been on our channels, guy I've helped get on our state clinic when we were virtual. Um, he is the new head coach at Missouri Western State University. Coach Finwick, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on again. I always enjoy being uh, on with you, and and uh, it's always good conversations with you. Well, I, I appreciate that, Coach. Well, uh, briefly, I mean, I, like I said, I don't need your full background. We've done that before, but I mean, how do Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You and, I mean, obviously I just mentioned you're the new head coach there at Missouri Western State. So how do you essentially come back uh, to a place you'd been the OC before? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I was here as the offensive coordinator from 07 to 12, and and we did some really good things, won a lot of games, uh, won the MIAA championship, which I think, you know, probably put me in, in position to um, get the head job at uh, Missouri S&T. And so gained that experience as a head coach for six years over there and, and uh, you know, built that program up and, and, and won, won 10 games in 2018, which probably put me in position to, to get the Southeastern head job, which, um, uh, you know, was is down there in Durant, Oklahoma, which is really close to Texas, um, you know, great recruiting uh, pool down there, um, you know, and so I was there for four years. And, and, uh, and then when this job came open, um, you know, it was kind of one of those things. I just, I know a lot of people that are up here in the St. Joseph area, um, you know, quite a few alums, um, guys that either, you know, played for us while I was here or just guys that were boosters and alums from the past and all that stuff that I just, you know, had good relationships with. And I think, you know, that everything just kind of aligned and, and I had some people that were um, pushing my name and um, they, you know, contacted me and, and asked if I'd be interested and, and uh, so, and then honestly, it happened really fast. I mean, it was literally a, it was a, a Zoom meeting on Wednesday. It was a, and, and then I left when we, we took the team down to the bowl game that we played in down in Texarkana. And then by Monday after the game, um, they'd offered me the job. And, and, it, and then Tuesday, I had to tell the team at Southeastern. Uh, Wednesday, my wife and family drove up to St. Joseph. Uh, Thursday, we did a press conference and meet the team. And then um, it was off to work. So it all happened, you know, all very quickly. And, and then obviously, uh, so that, that's, you know, just sometimes it's all about who, you know, and the connections you make. And, and I think it goes back to, you know, just doing a good job, you know, where you're at, um, and, and, and not, uh, not burning bridges and, and just making, you know, just building relationships with people. And then, you know, um, some things kind of come back and, and come around. And this is, you know, I've always thought that, um, Missouri Western is a, 
you know, a top 10 job, division two job in the country, um, you know, just as far as the, uh, the resources that they've committed to and, and the facilities that we have here and, um, you know, the ability to go um, recruit who we need to go recruit. And, um, you know, so it was one of those things where, you know, Southeastern was a great place. Um, the great people that I worked for, I really enjoyed it. I could have seen myself being there for a really long time. Um, but if there was, you know, certain jobs at the division two level, um, that I would have to look, look at it. And, uh, this, you know, thing came open and, um, you know, here I am. So got, you know, new, uh, new colors. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, now we also talked a little briefly before we started, like, I mean, you've filled out staff. You've got a pretty good staff that you're very happy with that. I mean, some, and you want to kind of talk about how you approach hiring a staff at, um, Missouri uh, Western State compared to maybe at your other two stops, how you approach that? Yeah, uh, well, a little bit different dynamic. Um, when I was at Missouri S&T, we had, I, I had four full-time assistant coaches, um, you know, and, and the pay was, was okay. It wasn't great. So you're going to get some guys that are kind of up and coming. Um, and then you're going to lose those guys, you know, because they're going to do a good job and probably move on and get it, you know, and, and, and then I didn't have any GAs uh, at, at S&T. And then um, <clears throat> when I was at uh, Southeastern, I had four full-time coaches um, and then I had three GAs, you know, so there was a little bit more um, that I could, that I could, you know, hire a staff and, and a little bit more help. Um, here right now, we have seven full-time assistant coaches and we're actually going to we'll have nine by the end of uh, the summer. So um, we're kind of making that transition. So, you know, having a little bit bigger pool, um, you know, the salary pool is a little bit bigger, so you can really go out and, and, uh, and so what, you know, putting this staff together, it was really important to have a good dynamic of, you know, different, um, you know, different age groups, different um, backgrounds, you know, people from areas that we're going to recruit from, um, and just, uh, and so I ended up bringing my offensive line coach from, from Southeastern, who actually was with me at Missouri Western when we, when I was a coordinator, uh, Todd Throckmorton, who's I, I, arguably, I would say, uh, he, he's one of the best I've ever, I've ever seen just the way he develops offensive linemen and, and gets them to play and, and, uh, just really, really, really bright, um, his coach on the defensive side of the ball. So he sees things in a different way. Um, Eric Johnson's a defensive coordinator that, uh, I worked with at at Occidental College back in the early 2000s that uh, got back together with me at Southeastern. And uh, so he's up here with, so those are the two guys from my, my current staff. And then um, the rest of them we filled out with guys that uh, either are uh, alums from Missouri Western or uh, guys that I've worked with. Our, our, our safeties coach, Shane Dowdy was with me at Missouri S&T. So I know how he works. He knows how I work. Um, you know, guy that I can, you know, I can trust to come in and get the job done. Um, and then a couple guys from the MIAA, um, Eric Moore uh, is a guy that was a DB coach that honestly is a guy that I, I didn't really know him that well, other than just seeing him in recruiting and just thought, man, this guy does such a good job in, in recruiting and just a good personality and a good guy. Um, and then uh, Michael Gallo, who's at Missouri Southern, another guy. MI, so those guys kind of know the conference. They know, um, you know, you know. The, the level and the talent that, that the MIAA is looking for from a recruiting standpoint. Um, Gallo is a, is an alum from Missouri Western also. So that kind of helps. So it's just, it's just a, uh, you know, we've got some experience. We've got some young ener energetic guy, you know, the older I get, the, the more we need some young energetic guys uh, on staff. So that'll be, you know, flying around practice and all that stuff. So 
um, yeah, I really, I'm really fired up about, uh, about the staff that we've been able to put together and, and just good guys that know how to teach the game of football and, and do a good job recruiting. Now, uh, we've, we've talked about this other topic a little <laughs> bit. Um, we've, I think we had a little bit last time we talked, but um, obviously you run the run shoot or your variation of it. Um, I'm not asking you why. I think we, we've been over that before. But how has, especially the past couple of years with the increase in pattern matching, um, whether it be Ripple is or a lot more of the, the match quarter stuff that's become really prevalent around college football, how has that caused you to evolve as an offensive um, coordinator and head coach? Well, I, I think, you know, the run and shoot. So we're, a, we're, this is going back, I don't know, 30 years, um, you know, just to start how we got into the run and shoot. Um, my dad coached at University of Pacific and, and for a guy named Walt Harris, and they implemented the run and shoot and it was all 10 personnel and, and, you know, they went and visited with June Jones and Mouse Davis and, and they brought, so I, I was in eighth grade at that time. So I didn't, you know, I was kind of like, wow, this is, you know, and so then my dad took that to a junior college and, and implemented that. And so then I ended up playing in it and that's really what I understood. And so, um, and so when I got into coaching, you know, that's what I knew. Um, and so, you know, over the course of years now, when I was coaching at Occidental, it, it was one of those things, division three, you just, you know, high academic school. Um, you don't know, you don't really know what you're going to get. I mean, it's a little bit like high school where, you know, you don't know um, what your personnel is going to look like. You're going to, you're going to get whatever could pay $60,000 to go to school. <laughs> so um, we didn't have scholarships. So we were able to implement, you know, some things from the run and shoot um, concepts and the base stuff and and so we've gotten into using a tight end a little bit and and um you know being able to do some things and then obviously you know over the course of time the evolution of the game um we've taken the run and shoot and gotten into some of the rpo game i think you know rolovich was doing a bunch of that at hawaii and and so but we were able to implement some tight ends and and so we can still um run a lot of the concepts you know the streak and switch and choice and and get into different personnel groups um that um you know that that fits uh, you know what we want to do but then we can also get into run some some glance out of you know running power and, and one back power with a tight end and throwing the rpo off the safety and 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 just a little bit more multiple but you know you got to be careful about how much do you want to get into because i think that's the the cool thing about the run and shoot is there there doesn't have to be a lot of volume uh, because your reads and your um you know your adjustments and all that stuff is all built in so going back to your your original question um, you know, with all the, the match stuff, I mean, really, you know, with the run and shoot, uh, you're reading a guy, you're not necessarily reading a coverage, um, so much. So, you, you know, if, if, if you're manned up, you have man breaks, you have man cuts, you have man, you know, if you're going to get more of a zone look and, um, you know, then, uh, you know, you're going to sit things down and you're going to, you're going to find windows. And, um, and so it, it just allows us to be able to adapt to whatever we're going to see. And I think, you know, for us, there's games where we go into it and there, there just there's so many multiple coverages that, that we're going to see in the game in the defensive game plan. And, you know, looking at, um, you know, who's, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from down to down. You're going to get, you know, you might it's kind of a, you know, it might be a grab bag of coverages. And it's like, I don't know what we're going to see on on third down. So, you know, us being able to, um, in, in a sense, have the chalk last uh, and be able to adjust our routes and adjust our 
uh, based off of, you know, what the defender's doing. And, and, uh, and we do talk about coverage and we, you know, we break down coverage and, and look at all that. But at the end of the day, if our, if our outside receivers running, running a streak read, he's going to read the corner, you know, and he's going to do whatever, you know, the opposite of what the corner is doing. Um, and so I, I kind of talk about it with our, you know, in layman's terms, you know, as far as, you know, with our receivers and our quarterbacks, it's like going out on, you know, Thanksgiving day and, and uh, you're, you're out in the backyard playing pickup football um, where you just, you, you go out and where there's open grass, you go, that's where you go, you know, and, and we put some structure to it. So, um, but I think, you know, we're able to, uh, you know, basically take what the defense gives us and, you know, if they're going to overload to the trip side, you know, and we're going to run, then we're going to take advantage of the single receiver side. If they're going to, you know, if they're going to pull a safety over and then we're going to work backside and get, get to the, the backside stuff where we got uh, some other options going on. Okay. Now, perfect coach. Now, now, I mean, you mentioned several things there, but um, yeah. <laughs> several ways I could go with it. Um, but obviously um, I'll, I'll phrase it this way with that evolution of adding RPOs and some of the tight end stuff, how is you, how you structure an offensive practice changed over the course of time from when you just ran pure run and shoot to as you evolved, how has your practice schedule and how you teach things evolved? Um, you know, it, it really, it really hasn't evolved that much. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, we look at it as a, a tight end, you know, if you're going to be in trips, your tight end is just your number three receiver, you know, he's just a little bit tighter. And so, you know, we can package things, you know, we might want to, you know, we'll sit there and say, okay, you know, we're going to run, um, you know, a, a whatever, a, a mid zone play, um, you know, to the tight end, because we're going to see a three fourteen that protects our edge a little bit better. Um, but then we're going to sit there and say, okay, here's our run game with it out of our tight end formations. You know, what can we do also that's going to balance this out from a, um, you know, from a tendency standpoint of, you know, what passing game are we going to have out of trips with a tight end, um, you know, just like you would out of 10 personnel. And so I think where I got into, um, where I got into using some tight ends was being able to just have a little bit more of a run game presence, but then also a protection presence. So um, we, we struggled early on when we were a, a more of a 10 personnel team with, with three, four defenses where you had edge guys coming off the edge and, and they're fast. And, and, and so we kind of were able to get into if we really needed to, and we were outmatched a lot of times, you know, we were outmatched because we weren't, I wasn't always at the place that had, you know, 36 scholarships. Sometimes I was at a place that had eight scholarships going against, you know, teams that had more, more resources. And so we had to make sure that we, you know, that, that we had to, we're going to protect our quarterback. And so we'd get into some seven man check release protections out of that. Um, but also be able to, uh, you know, have the numbers in the run game to be able to use a tight end and protect the edges um, with outside backers, you know, bringing guys and, and that sort of thing. So um, it just gave us a little bit more to, you know, from a protection and from a uh, um, not having to run the ball uphill and trying to reach everything, you know, push out to an extra guy, you know, where you may not have, you know, we got, when you, when you play a three, four, you got to handle seven potential rushers uh, in some combination, you know, seven, you know, combination of, of, you know, of those seven guys. So, and you don't know, you know, where they're coming from sometimes. And so, um, so from a practice structure standpoint, you know, we, you know, we might call, we'll call, you know, in our script, we'll call choice, for example, and, you know, it, 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 at a 10 personnel, but then the next time we're going to run it at 11 personnel and, 
you know, one of those guys has the unders and 10 personnel and now the tight ends got an under, um, you know, now it's going to depend on what kind of tight end that we have. Um, if we have a guy like we had a kid named Reggie Jordan when I was at Missouri Western, well, that guy could get vertical. So we could get him up, up the scene. Um, if we have a bigger, more of a blocking type tight end, we're going to put him on unders and arrows and flat routes and, you know, things where um, we're going to use that to our advantage and not try to, you know, put a square peg into a round hole and just to say we're going to do it. So, um, you know, we've had, you know, going back to just the whole personnel thing. I mean, we've had bigger receivers that maybe aren't as fast, but they're, 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 you know, they're, they're good football players um, that we've been able to stay in 10 personnel and maybe use that guy as a motion guy and, and um, you know, use him in the run game to kind of protect our edges and things like that. So, um, but we, we still, our practice, um, our, our practices have been, you know, we're going to get the receivers and tight ends together in a, in a routes on air scenario, a 10 minute period. And we're going to work all the routes that those guys would run. Uh, we'll run switch with tight ends. And, and, and because a lot of times those guys are the last read, um, you know, they don't have to be, uh, they don't, they're backside, you know, and, and so we'll put the tight end on the, you know, on the switch on the, on the sideline and uh, what we call the rail and he'll read the corner uh, just like we would with a, with a slot receiver. So they all, um, you know, are interchangeable. Um, and so we can, you know, mix it up, but we, we I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much volume where we can't practice and get good at enough stuff. Okay. Now, I mean, you mentioned a couple of things there, and I'll come back to switch here in a minute. But I'm curious because, and I've heard you talk a little bit before when you did our state clinic, you talked about some quarterback play. And um, I, I just want to kind of go back to it. I mean, and because I've asked people, like, obviously with the evolution of defenses and offenses, how much you still use the half roll um, and, and the drop. Obviously, RPOs, you're not going to half roll during that. But how mm -hmm. much do you still use it? And then and really just for people who, who aren't familiar with yeah. the run and shoot half roll, how do you teach it? Oh, boy. Um, so the half, we, I, you know, I think the, the original run and shoot was the true half roll where they were going to get really wide and set up over the tackle. And, and it was almost like a, like a, a roll. Um, it's really evolved out of the shotgun for us. I kind of, I, I, I term it more as a drift. Um, and we try to get ourselves, you know, basically I give them kind of the guard landmark, um, but I don't overcoach it. Um, and because, you know, sometimes there might be something where, you know, they know that they're not going to go front side and so they're going to peak front side, but, but they may not get as wide because they know they're going to get backside, which is fine. But, you know, we, we, you know, basically what, when I teach the, the, the drift or the half roll or the drift, what I call, um, you know, we're going to take a big first step out of the gun. We're going to like, we're going to the right. Uh, we're going to take a big first step about a 45 degree angle. Uh, and then depending on what route we got, or if we're going to throw the first read, or if we're going to hitch, then we're either going to uh, just gather with no hitch and it's going to be a one, two, three and throw it. But it's a 40, basically I teach it as a 45 degree angle. Now, if we're going to the left, we teach the back pedal. Um, which, which is different for a lot of people. You know, a lot of our quarterbacks, when they come in, um, they're not used to the back pedal. Um, and so we teach where if we're going to the left, we're going to start with our, uh, our right foot. Um, and that's going to be a big first step with, with depth and width. Uh, and, then, and then with our footwork, we're either going to go one, two, three and throw it, or we're going to one, two, three hitch and throw it if it's like a deeper curl or a corner route. 
um, or we're going to go one, two, three, it's not open. And that gives us time to kind of decipher. I, I think the thing that people don't understand, understand about the run and shoot is, you know, I think everybody thinks that it's a, uh, it's a, it's a down the field, you know, everything's, and it is, it is vertical. Um, but it's also built in, it's a quick game, get the ball out offense. I mean, it's, you know, the, the run and shoot is not meant to be holding the ball for four seconds and wait for everybody to get 50 yards down the field and throw it deep. Um, it, it, it can get to that. Um, but, you know, if we're going to call smash on the front side and, you know, the hitch is open uh, on the outside with the number one receiver, then we're going to go one, two, three, no hitch and throw the ball and get it out. Um, and I, you know, if you talk to, uh, I've spent a lot of time with Dan Morrison, who has uh, worked with June Jones for uh, many, many years, uh, and is still working with June Jones in the XFL. But, you know, I've, I've, I've built a really good relationship with him and just talking about how, you know, we want, we want to get the ball out, ball out of our hands and, and get it to those guys. And if they take it away, that's when the big plays come. But we don't necessarily sit there and say, we're going to force the big play. We're going to let the big plays um, happen. So, um, I, you know, the, we, we try to, you know, have an average of getting the ball out at 2.6 seconds. Um, so the course of a game, you know, I'll, I'll come back with a stopwatch and see, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll time each throw from snap to release and, and, and over the average of it, of the course of the game, can we get that? Are we getting that thing out in 2.6? Now, obviously there's going to be some where we're going to get all the way backside and it might be 3.4, you know, but there's also a lot of times where we want that ball, you know, quick outs and, you know, hitches and, and, you know, hitting the ball in the flat and just get it out and get into the athletes so that they can get it in space and go run, um, you know, and, and then lo and behold, you call a play where you think you're going to throw the hitch. And the next thing you know, your backside throwing a touchdown on the scene. Um, and you're, you're like, like, okay, great job, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and then there's certain things that we call that are specific to let's take a shot. But, um, but I, I think the mentality of it is, you know, quick drops, quick feet, get it out, um, uh, get it out of your hands. No, it's a good point. Cause I, I was listening to this, I think a, a mouse uh, clinic from when at UH God, like in 2005 or something like that. And he mentioned, he was talking about go and he's talking about the ball needs to be out in that third step. Yeah. And talked about, I think like Jeff George couldn't do it. Jeff had to take five. So he did like the first two steps and then the, it was like three choppy steps. He just uh, couldn't, he couldn't do it on that third big step. He uh -huh. had to do it three choppy. So like to your point, yeah, it should be out. He, he's like, you should never get sacked on go. Yeah, it's right. Third step. Right. Um, yeah. So that's the thing is, you know, on go, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, if you can get that, that, that they take away that flat defender and they throw the seam and it's, it's not just a seam. There's so much more that goes into about getting width and creating your space and, and, and that ball needs to be completed at 10 to 12 yards. You know, it's not a ball that's going to be down the field 20 yards. If that's the case, you're holding on to it too long. Um, and that was something that, you know, working with Dan Morrison and just kind of more, you know, just understanding that whole concept of, of that thing. It's, you know, get that thing out. Yeah, no, you're perfectly right. Now, I, I want to ask you, because I like, and I don't need every detail, but just from a broad, you can get as detailed as you want with it. But how, I mean, you mentioned switch, and like I said, I've been slowly going down this rabbit hole this off season. Um, how do you teach switch, or how do you approach teaching switch? Yeah, I think um, it starts with the alignment. Um, you know, if we're running it from the boundary, we're going to put 
we're going to, we're going to put that guy about two yards in two to three yards inside the numbers. Uh, because at the end of the day, your landmark is two yards outside the hash. And so you got to get to that, that guy. So number one, we, we tell number one to go first. Um, and he's going to push an inside stem and, and, uh, you know, he's got to, he's got to make sure that he doesn't get rerouted. Um, and, but we don't want to be so flat and we don't want to be so, um, horizontal that we can't get ourselves to to get vertical and so we've got a stem inside but we got to get vertical up the up the seam as quickly as we can um and then and then obviously he's going to read the safety and if the safety's if the safety is gone uh you know there's nobody up the seam that he's going to take it vertical keeping his outside uh staying outside the hash uh if the, if the safety crosses our face you know, in a cover two look, then we can bend it. And if the safety's over top, we're going to sit down, find a window behind the linebacker. So, uh, and obviously, man, we're going to break it off. So that's that part of it. But what we what we started, and actually I got it, I, I, when I was, I went out to Hawaii a few years ago, uh, probably five, four years ago, five years ago, and um, talked with uh, uh, Craig Stutzman and, and Rolovich. And, and we kind of were talking about, um, I stole it from them, but the switch, the, the, the slot guy that's going to run the, the rail or the the uh, outside read is we, we've kind of started teaching him getting vertical for about two steps just to kind of set that safety feeling like he's got you know that because a lot of times they're going to have eyes on the safety and you know you know take two vertical so we just set it just a little bit and just a little bit of a delay and then we get going and kind of let the let it clear but um you know i i get a lot of questions about what why do you call switch instead of streak and you know what why one or the other? And honestly, uh, sometimes I, you know, there's there's times where I don't, I haven't called switch as much because this our slots are just such good uh, streak read or seam read runners uh, that they're just they have such a knack for it. And so sometimes it's it's uh, whoever runs it better. Um, we might call it a little bit more, but uh, but then you know, so going back, sorry, going back to you know the slot, you know, so we set it vertical just for about two steps, and then we get going and. And then we teach it, and I, this part of it I think I got from Timmy Chang. I've stolen everything, obviously, um, <laughs> which I think we all have at some point. But, um, but uh, you know, so we're going to push it and try to attack the blind side of the corner and push it to about, you know, 14. Um, and then if we're going to sit it down, we, we used to bring it back to the sideline. Um, but I've started teaching bringing it right back down our stem. And the reason for that is we felt like, when we got to the sideline, that corner could break and undercut it and get underneath um, that throw. And so, but then we started teaching it, bringing it straight back down the stem. And now that that corner um, has to go through the back of of the receiver to uh, you know to make that make that play. So, at, which is going to either he's going to shield him or we're going to get a pass interference call more likely. And and so we just we teach them to keep coming straight back down that stem. If we have if we have a defender that's on our hip you know and and uh you know it's not a it's it, there's no cushion if he's on our hip then we'll pull through and we'll we'll turn that into a dig um i think one of the things that's probably different than than uh you know some of the other run and shoot what we've got to is you know i think you know the on that rail or the the, the switch uh, uh outside streak read is you know it's kind of that whole if if uh you know, if, if you get by, if you beat them, then you're going. Well, what we found was, and is that, you know, by the time we got backside and that guy, so maybe we beat him and, and, 
and we're ahead of him, but he's trailing us. Well, by the time, and we're in a full sprint, by the time that we, our quarterback got back to it, we were so far down the field that we couldn't make that throw. Um, and so what we said is the only time that we're going to take that up is if it's a rolled up corner. So maybe a cloud corner or a cover two corner um, where we can actually, you know, take that thing vertical um, because now we have to take that vertical to hold a safety on the hash uh, for, you know, to make that, that, you know, we got this, the streak read, the inside streak read with the, or the seam read. Then um, now that safety has got to pick one or the other. Um, but anytime we had man to man, even though, you know, we, we tried to really not, Unless we just, I mean, it was so bad that we beat them off the line that we would go. But most of the time when we got that, we would go ahead and break it off and, and turn it into maybe two digs or something. Okay. Well, perfect, Coach. Now, that, uh, one thing I, I – well, one of the last things I want to ask you is I, I've heard Mouse talk about um, how he evaluates quarterbacks and his priority of, okay, accuracy, like arm strength is like six on his list of things that he worries about. How do you, when you're valuing quarterbacks, prioritize the attributes or skills you're looking for? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, when we're recruiting quarterbacks, I, I think, um, you know, I, what I, I look for, um, you know, good feet. Um, I want to I want to watch a kid on, on film and I want to say I want to be able to sit there and say that kid looks like he knows where the ball's supposed to go. Um, you know, for example, there's, there's sometimes you watch a quarterback and his head's all over the place and he's just trying to find the open guy. Um, but I want to, you know, I think you can tell when he's got good feet, he throws the ball on time. Um, you know, he knows you can tell that he's going to look one way. Uh, he's going to get off of things quickly, uh, to get to the next read or the, or the third read. Um, and so that's, to me, that's a big part of it because he just, he understands, the mental part of the game, um, you can see it. So um, looking at um, footwork, I think, you know, having good feet, having good, good balance, having good, um, uh, you know, knee bend, um, athletic uh, in the pocket. And I'm not talking about athletic, like the guy's got to take off and run and, and all that stuff. That to me is a bonus. Um, but I want to see a guy that's, that's going to have a, you know, good posture in the pocket, uh, be able to kind of move around in the pocket as far as just kind of sidestepping and staying in, in within balance. Um, and then, you know, we don't get a chance. I think by the time they get to us, I think it's really hard to really teach the mechanics of throwing the football. So we want to make sure that they've got a, you know, a good, you know, a good release, um, you know, maybe a, a quick release. Um, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, the elbows down or just totally out of whack. Um, and then, um, but arm strength is probably one of those things that, it, yeah, I mean, arm strength, I would agree. I mean, I think arm strength is one of those, probably one of the last, um, you know, things that I'm really going to be more concerned about. I want to know, can he get it out and can he, can he throw it? Uh, can he be accurate? Um, you know, obviously if, if you've got a guy that he's got a cannon for an arm and, and he's accurate, then that's, you know, and he can run, that's like the perfect guy. Right. But those guys are hard to find. So um, I, I think, you know, the quarterbacks that, that have been the best quarterbacks for me are guys that can put it on a spot, you know, throw it on time, understand, you know, the defenses and where windows are going to be open. And, uh, and you can tell, I just, I think that you can tell that one of the things that I always ask quarterbacks when they, um, when I, when I meet with them, you know, in recruiting is I just flat out ask them, I, you know, if, you know, you're out there on the field, you know, what player you just totally fired up about when they, when a coach calls a play, um, 
you know, and, and I tell them it can't be four vertical because I want I want some substance to it, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But, you know, what is it when the coach calls this play? You're just like, yes, I love that play. Let's, you know, let's go out and execute this thing. And, and so, and then I make them, you know, teach it to me. And so, cause I just want to know mentally, how are they reading things and how are they, how do they see it? And if the kid can sit there and say, okay, this is our first read and this is what I'm looking for. And if it's not there, they take this away. Then, you know, then I go to this and then I go to this. And so just being able to talk to the X's and O's in football and just try to try to, you know, see his brain work, uh, you know, and, and see, you know, how far along his football IQ is, I think is, is important. Cause we just, you know, again, with the, the, the hours that were allowed, um, you know, at the college level and at the division two level, I think there's more at the division one level, but, um, you know, you really got to get a guy that, um, you know, can already throw it. Um, I can work. We spend a lot of time on footwork. We spend a lot of time on, uh, because our footwork is a little bit different with our drift and our back pedal and all that stuff and, and trying to get through progressions and eliminate things on the front side and, and getting all the way to the backside. Um, I've actually, I've actually gotten to the point and I'm kind of going off topic here, but I've gotten to the point with our progressions where from a teaching standpoint, I've really emphasized getting to the last read um, early on in, in the teaching process, because that's the hardest thing to do. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks that come out of high school that it's, uh, it might be, you know, the coach is telling them, you know, Hey, if the first read's not there, take off and run. Well, again, if we're calling smash, you know, if anybody's calling smash, you're, you've got one read. Well, if smash gets taken away, there's a lot of quarterbacks that panic and they go, well, what do I do now? You know, where do I, where am I supposed to go? And they got, and you can tell they got their head all over the place. So I really teach that the, the first reads, the easy part. That's, that's, that's easy. Cause I'm going to sit there and I say, okay, pre-snap, I know what's going to, I'm, I'm 90%, I'm 90% sure that this, this hitch is going to be open. So I can go one, two, three and throw it. Or I'm pretty sure it's covered too. We got safety inside the hash. I'm going to have a great chance of throwing the, the corner out, but, but I've got to really get the get good at, you know, if that gets taken away, what's my plan? You know, what, you know, having a plan pre-snap. Um, and so we work a lot of footwork of getting backside and, and throwing the backside streak reads. And, and because that's to, to get a quarterback to go from one to two to three, you know, and, and feel like he's got time to do that. We've got to make sure that, you know, we're not asking the offensive line to protect for six seconds for him to get back there. So we've got to eliminate some things. We've got to see some things. We've got to get our footwork and our shoulders and our hips, you know, back backside so that we can throw the, the you know, the deep ball or, or get off it and get to the third. So we've actually, I've actually kind of started um, a few years ago, almost teaching it, almost teaching it backwards from a sense of, of, of uh, you know, here's the concept and how do we get, how do, because the backside streak reads always open. Uh, you know, and there's so many times. I, and so since I've been doing that, I think I've thrown that backside rail um, probably more in the last three years at Southeastern than I probably have in the, my entire coaching career. I mean, we, our quarterback was so good at just getting all the way back and just knowing that that thing is that it's open, it's going to be there. And so uh, that's, you know, a lot of, that was a lot of information about uh, whatever question it was you asked me. No, no, you, you start with evaluating, we transition into teaching. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and our last question, so A, you can make your meeting, and I, I got stuff I got later today as well. Um, I don't remember if I asked you this last time, but it also could just see if it changes. But um, what is your favorite run and shoot play? And, and when I say that, I don't. it doesn't need to be the most successful, but, like, which one do you enjoy teaching and calling the most? Mm. 
Um, choice. I enjoy, I really enjoy teaching choice because there's so much that goes into it. Um, I think, and I think that's one of those plays that is always going to be in the game plan um, because there's so many different, um, there's, there's so many different answers based on whatever coverage that we're going to see, um, you know, and we'll run it, we'll run it out a lot of, you know, I think, you know, I think the original run and shoot is, you know, it's a trips play, you know, it's going to be, you know, single receiver, you know, choice route, you got, you know, everything backside, but we, we will run it at a different, um, you know, we can run it at a two by two, we'll call it a two by two and we'll call it, um, you know, with the tight end um, formations and things like that, uh, whether it's a balanced up formation or a trips formation. Um, and so I think there's just a lot of things. And then, you know, being able to run switch off of it, being able to run special off of it, um, you know, there's just uh, there's just a lot of answers to it. And I think, you know, we're going to rep that just about every day uh, in practice because there's just you really got to get the quarterbacks and receivers on the same page um, as far as the reads go. And 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 we still teach it. I mean, we we still teach it the same way that Mouse teaches it. In fact, I mean, th this is I, I still actually go back probably once a year and go watch the original Mouse Davis choice on the chalkboard. Uh, teaching tape just to just to see you know what I missed or <laughs> is there something you know that and, and just kind of refresh and and I'll actually have if I have new coaches that are you know learning you know what we're doing I'll start with that you know and and, and teach it straight off of uh, uh, you know how he teaches it now there's some things that we've tweaked um, with certain things but not much uh, so but we still we still do it where you know it, it's the cushion you know we read if there's a five yard cushion, we're going to run the out. If there's a three yard cushion, we're going to run the, run the skinny post or we're going to run takeoff if it's pressed. And, and so we, we, uh, so that to me, that's, that's, uh, I, I like that the best. Uh, we've kind of gotten away from go. Um, we run it a little bit versus certain looks and we, and, and you have to rep it a lot. Um, and I, I really enjoy it uh, because when you hit that seam, it's really fun, but there's just a lot of, you're seeing you're seeing a lot of guy you know defenses that are really pushing extra guys to the trip and squeezing things down and um, and all that. But when it's good, it's good. I'm I'm actually going to ask you one more question. Like, okay. and I know um, ignoring your quick game and your RPOs, what yeah. are like, what are the first three like run and shoot pass concepts that you install? First, we're going to run streak, uh, streak and switch, which I I package as the same. Okay. Same deal. Um, and then off of that, we're going to run, um, you know, so the, I think off of streak, you've got streak, you've got smash and you've got, uh, you know, takeoff out, whatever you call that. Um, and I think those are all kind of work together. Um, so that, that, uh, that, that's kind of one little package that we do. Choice is going to be something that we're going to put in really early in camp. You know, either depending on where we're at in the installs and how experienced we are, it might be a day one thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're probably going to run. I, I really like, uh, I think, what they call hitch, what we call. So basically it's, it's um, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to push, push the rail front side and make that the first read with our seam read and our under. And a lot, a lot of, we get a lot out of that where we just come out and <clears throat> throw an eight-yard rail. Um, or if we get pressed, I mean, last year we had an All-American receiver, and if we got pressed, then we were going to go ahead and, and just 
throwing up the sideline. We got a lot of mileage out of that. Um, so, but everything that we pretty much do is going to have an inside outside streak read, read to it um, for the most part. Okay. Going back to the RPO thing, you know, I think the run and shoot with the post snap reads, uh, you know, falls right in line with, with your, your R, with the RPOs because those are post snap reads. And so we were already, I think when we started getting into the RPO game and the post snap, read the safeties off the run game and read that backer off the run game. I mean, it was something that we already knew. We already, we were already used to reading safeties. We were already used to, you know, being able to get our eyes on, on things post snap. And, and so it almost fits hand in hand with, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of comes from that whole flex bone, um, you know, if this, then this, and it has all the answers kind of the deal. So it all, um, it all worked, you know, from a teaching standpoint and knowledge of what our, our guys already knew how to do it fit perfect. Okay. Well, perfect coach. Well, coaches, uh, one, his uh, Twitter's in the bio, give him a follow, uh, follow his staff on Twitter as well. Um, like, share, subscribe, uh, check out our sponsor coach pad. Um, otherwise that is another episode of the gap down backer podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.